It is a delight. It is a privilege for us to have each of you here. We have a number of visitors. As has already been said, we welcome you. We're glad you're here with us. And we want to make sure that you understand you are invited, that you are our guest. We will be having, after this service, a Bible class. Brother Brian Moody will be teaching that class. He's one of our great Bible teachers here. And then this evening, if you would, we'd like to have you back again if you can. Brother Steve Hillis, who works with our young people, is also a great gospel preacher, and he will be preaching in our lesson tonight. And so you can have a wonderful opportunity to have several different men today to be able to encourage you and to edify you from God's Word. I'd like to draw your attention now for just a moment to the thought of Abraham being the friend of God. You know, as you go through cemeteries, you will observe that there are epitaphs that many people have placed on gravestones. And some of them will have some very encouraging, sometimes even humorous statements. But you think about the one that is recorded in Scripture that Abraham was called the friend of God. So we begin our lesson this morning to introduce it. I'd like to point out there are many role models in the Bible. You may look at people like the Apostle Paul and his diligence, how he did not violate his conscience but was a man of a clear, good conscience in everything that he did. You can think about people like Peter who were was so enthusiastic, in fact, sometimes too much so, but always eager. You can think about people like Barnabas being a great encourager. But the truth is, one of the greatest men in the Bible is the man Abraham. Let me tell you just a little bit about Abraham. He was reared in what today is the country of Iraq, in fact, the southern part of that country. He was from Ur of the Chaldees. But you may not realize the fact that Abraham was a man whose father was a pagan. If you go to the book of Joshua, he is describing that. He says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. That's significant because when you begin with Abraham in the Bible, you do not have a man like many of us here who was reared by parents who believe in the God of the Bible. We have a man who's a pagan who worships and serves other gods. But God called him. God said to him, Abram, get up. Leave your kindred, leave your family, and go to a place that I afterward will show you for an inheritance. And according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing whether he was going. If you don't realize anything else today... I want you to realize Abraham was a man of tremendous faith and confidence 
and the God that we know of as the God of the Bible. He was a man who received some extraordinary promises and responded with an extraordinary faith. I like the way the writer of the book of Hebrews puts it in chapter 6 and verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. When God made a promise, he made a great promise to Abraham. And we will observe that as we begin to go through our lesson. This morning we're going to look at two basic things. We're going to look at Abraham as the friend of God and then the father of the faithful. Let's begin. If you want to open your Bibles, I'm going to have most of these scriptures on the screen. But I encourage you to always use your Bible. We're going to begin with chapter 2 and verse 21 of James and read through verse 24. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he'd offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then, a man is justified by works and not by faith only. James puts into a picture for us exactly who Abraham was. He wasn't a man with whom God just had some sort of mild or meager acquaintance. He was a man that God knew well and a man of deep conviction because when God told him to do something, he did it. He wasn't a person who would just somehow want to argue with God. In fact, I think it's important for us to step back for just a moment and think about what it means to say that he was the friend of God. There are several characteristics that as one looks through the Bible, you can see about real friends. Real friends share a mutual affection and concern. When you talk about sharing a mutual affection, you're talking about you like them. You like who they are, you like what they do, and you share a concern about what will happen to them. Let me give you a background of this passage we're going to look at. Jesus was on the other side of the river, and Mary and Martha, two very close friends of Jesus, and their brother, Lazarus, Lazarus had gotten sick. And they sent a message to Jesus saying that, Lord, Lazarus is sick. When the message arrived... Jesus stayed two more days with his disciples and then they made their journey and he made this statement to them that they were going because Lazarus slept. Some of them had the idea that sleeping meant that he was going to get better. And then Jesus plainly told them, Lazarus is dead. But I want you to notice what has occurs in verse 11. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go to wake him up. Jesus was concerned about Lazarus. 
In fact, if you notice the shortest verse of the Bible in this same context, verse 35, it says Jesus wept. You know why? There was real concern there. Real friends have concern for the welfare, the well-being of others, and they share that likeness, that affection. Not only that, they share possessions. In Luke chapter 11, in verses 5 through 8, we have a passage where our Lord is teaching on another subject about persistence in prayer. But in the middle of this, he is going to describe a situation which I think we all can recognize. And he said to them, Which of you having a friend, and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within and say, Do not trouble me. My door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise to give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, I want you to observe. Here's a man who has somebody come to him, and he needs some food. What's he going to do? He's going to go to his neighbor, his friend, and say, Can I borrow some? How many of you have been to one of your neighbors, one of your friends, and say, I need a saw. Can you, can you loan me the saw? Or the proverbial cup of sugar. I'm out of sugar. Could you, could you share some with me? You see, real friends are those who are willing to share with one another. One of the most valuable things I see in the Scripture, though, is that they also share information. They share things that are not necessarily known among other people. In the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 18, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were about to be destroyed. And Abraham had had visitors, and Abraham has interceded for them. And one of the things you will notice in verse 16 through 18, then the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. God said, Should I hide from Abraham this information? Obviously not, because Abraham is God's friend. A parallel kind of passage found in the New Testament is found in John 15, verse 15. Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You see, real friends share information, and Abraham had it shared with him. Real friends also sacrifice for one another. That is, they're willing to give up something. Your neighbor, your friend comes to you and says, I need your help this afternoon. I've got five of my cows that are out. I need your help. What do you say to them? Sorry, I'm busy. No. You sacrifice your time. You sacrifice your help. In John 15 and verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, 
than to lay down one's life for his friends. The giving and the sacrificial nature of it. And then it is selective as well. Whom you choose to be your friend says a lot about your friends themselves. In James chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us, yearns jealousy. What James is saying is you can't be a friend with the world and be a friend with God at the same time. Abraham was not a friend of the world. Abraham was a friend of God. But you see, friendship involves sharing of an agreement, a pact, a bond, a covenant, a trust, there's some sort of agreement with me, between people that says, you are my friend, I am yours, and it's a mutual relationship. Listen to Romans 4, 20 through 22. When God made a promise to Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. What you see is, is that when God made a promise to Abraham, Abraham says, I believe that promise. I accept that promise. I will live within that promise. Abraham trusted God completely, and God had complete confidence in Abraham. And you see what happens is, in order to be a real friend of God, you have to remove the barriers that are there. In Colossians 1, 21 and 22, he says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind, yet now he has reconciled. You see, there's a, a friendship that takes place when there's a reconciliation. In John 15, 14, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. It is a pact. It is a trust it is a mutual relationship. Now, time requires that I press on, so I'm going to move through this rather quickly. But not only was Abraham the friend of God, he was the father of the faithful. And if you'll just take a few minutes with me, I want to approach this from three different avenues, three different perspectives, so that we can draw the greatest benefit from it. The first thing that Abraham was, was a faithful father. Look at his relationship to his children. We read in Genesis 18 and verse 19, For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Let's break that down for just a moment. Why such confidence? Because he says, I have known him. God's relationship with Abraham here in Genesis 18 is not new. 
They have a history together. That history going all the way back to chapter 12 and 13 when Abraham is called. What does God know about Abraham? Every time he asked Abraham to do something, he did it. What does he know about Abraham? When God called him to leave his family and friends, he left and went to a place he told him to go. When I go to John 8 and verse 55, Jesus is, I guess you would say, in an argument. If you don't want to put it that strongly, a conversation with the Jews who were saying, we're Abraham's children. And Jesus said about the Father, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I will be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. They're saying we're God's children. And Jesus said, no, you're not. Because if you were God's children, you would listen to him. You would obey him. You're not his friend. When you go to John 2, verse 25, it says about Jesus, and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. God knew Abraham. And Abraham knew God. And there was that history together. The second thing, that he will command his children and his household after him. God said, I know what kind of man Abraham is. He is not a weakling. He is not a man without concern for his family and the direction that he is leading his family. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. These words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You see, a real faithful father is not someone who just on Sunday morning brings his children to church and says, all right, get whatever that preacher or class teacher says. They're people who talk about God all the time. We're going to look a little bit about the offering of Isaac. Isaac already knew what sacrifice was about. He knew about the need, what was to be placed on the altar. Because Abraham had taught him. Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And he says he will train his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. That word household after him, you know, you explore that a little bit. And you find out his household would include those who had been raised in his house. And you think about like Eliezer. In chapter 24, God had sent, or not God, Abraham had sent Eliezer, his servant, to find Isaac a wife. Back in chapter 15 and verse 2, he had acknowledged that perhaps since he hadn't had a child, that Eliezer was going to be his heir. And God said, no, he's not. But look at chapter 24, verse 48. This is Eliezer. And I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Not only did his children know the right way, those people who lived in Abraham's household 
knew the right way as well. To keep righteousness and justice. How do you teach your children? How do you teach your family what righteousness, what justice is? They need to see it in the things that you do every day. You can look, for instance, in Genesis 14. The kings of the north, Chedorlaomer and his group, five kings against four kings came and the kings of Sodom and Salem and Gomorrah were raided and Lot was taken captive. Abraham goes and rescues them. And if you will notice chapter 24, or excuse me, chapter 14, verses 21 through 24, you will have Abraham saying, I don't want the money, I don't want the spoils of you. All I want is just my family back. He was a man of justice, fairness. Or the passage that I really drew to was chapter 23, verse 9. The sons of Hamer owned a field that had a cave in it. And when Sarah died, he needed a place to bury her. And they said, well, just take whatever you want to bury your dead from you. And he said, no. Look at verse 9. He said, give it to me at the full price. Abraham was a man who taught justice and righteousness, treating people right by the things that he did. So he was a faithful father. But the second approach is going to be a father of faith. That he was a father who did trust God and showed it in his life. Chapter 22, verse 2. Then he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. You drop down to verse 12. and He said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham was willing to take the life of Isaac, a man of faith. Some of us would struggle with that and say, I don't know how Abraham could do that. I do. Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac your seed will be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. He knew that if God had said, in Isaac your seed will be called, and he knew that he was going to have to take his life, God could raise him from the dead. That's real faith. That's a real father of faith. And so he had faith that God would restore Isaac to him. He knew that the promises of God would come true. Genesis 21, 12 it's not going to be through Ishmael, not or Eliezer. He said, in Isaac, your seed will be called. But the third avenue as the father of the faithful. He was a faithful father to Isaac. He also was a father of faith. But now he's also the father of the faithful. Listen to Romans 4.16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so the promises might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, 
but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. You see, the, the Jewish mind back then was, he's just ours. Abraham's our father. He's not your father. He's our father. And Paul's explanation is, if you are of the faith, you're a follower, you're a descendant of Abraham. Not physically, but spiritually. Regardless of your physical descent. Now some people didn't appreciate that. In John 8 and verse 39, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. If you were really his children, you would follow the direction that he led. Abraham is the example of one with an active, obedient faith. You remember what we looked at in James 2? Look at verse 21 again. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he would offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works his faith was made perfect? He's the man who leads us in that direction. Now as I bring this together, Abraham also speaks to us from beyond. You mean Abraham is still speaking? He is. But he's not speaking in some sort of a still small voice in the night. He speaks to us from God's Word. In the middle of Luke chapter 16, Jesus gave a parable or an account of a rich man and Lazarus. And Abraham speaks in this. So it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and being in Hades or torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those who want to pass from there to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. Abraham said to them, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, they will repent. And then Abraham's going to respond. They're not going to believe the prophets. They're not going to be persuaded though one rose from the dead. What's Abraham saying? Eternity is based on how you live here. He is saying there will be no relief from the punishment that is there. 
the only means by which God will reach you today, just like the only way He has reached them is by the message that is delivered by the prophets of God and for us are recorded in the Bible. One last passage. John 8 and verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham, through the revelation given to him, saw the coming of Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham, and that all the nations would be blessed through him. What a great privilege you and I enjoy. If you'll take your songbook out, we're going to sing this invitation song. And if you're here this morning and you want to become a Christian, you want to follow the faith of Father Abraham, then believe in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Be willing to stand before men and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Confess His name and then be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you are a Christian and you need the prayers of this congregation for you, we stand ready to assist. Would you come as together we stand and sing?